Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Father in heaven, beloved of the soul, we thank you that we are here together gathered in your presence as Mishpocha. We thank you, Father, that we have this wonderful Shabbat to enter into your presence and to be your children. Father, may the meditation of our heart and the words that I speak today, Father, be appeasing to you. And may we all be of one heart and one mind together here today in your presence. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. All right, so this week we are in Parsha Truma, which is from Sefer Shemot of the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 1 through 27, 19. And so far in the Torah, it's literally from Breshit to here has been one exciting Torah Parsha after the next, right? Just event after event after event, everything is just so exciting. We've seen the creation of man, the fall of Adam, Cain and Abel, I had to make a little list, it's, you know. Noah and the flood, the Tower of Babel, we saw Abraham's call, Sodom and Gomorrah, the binding of Isaac, we had Yaakov's adventures, Yosef's sufferings in his kingship, Israel's descent into Mitzrayim, Israel's slavery into Mitzrayim, then Moshe enters the picture, we had the plagues, and then we had Moshe delivers Israel by the hand of Hashem, we had the Mount Sinai experience, and now in la- at the end of last week's Torah portion, we have Israel looking up, seeing Adonai on the mountain, and it looks like a consuming fire, right? And Moses is about to go into the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and it's like culminating to something incredibly exciting is about to happen, you know? And then all of a sudden, it's like cubits, types of wood, (laughs) dimensions, right? But the last five parshiot of Sefer Shemot, or the book of Exodus, are pretty much devoted to aspects of building the Mishkan, Parsha Truma, Tetzaveh, Vayakel, and Pikudeh. The last 16 chapters of the book of Shemot, are ded- or, you know, and really the majority of the Torah, are dedicated and centrally focused around the tabernacle and the obligations thereof. And though there's all kind of random places we can go with this and, and get into all kind of details with this, I want to start us off with the first two verses of this week's Torah portion. Everybody has their Tanakhim, and they could open up to uh, Shemot, chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. We read, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Tell B'nai Yisrael to take up an offering for me. He says, Take up my truma. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take my offering. So Moshe is to take up the truma from B'nai Yisrael, right? But for it to truly be Hashem's trumati, my offering, it has to come from a heart that has the purest intentions of serving its creator. And so this, in pondering all this, it brought, us, brought me to an important principle in our service of God, and that is tahara, which is purity. And this isn't just a, con- tahara is not just a concept which is physical purity, you know, purity in our deeds or whatever. It's a, literally an in- internal purity in the heart in our service of God. And so one of our rabbis writes in a commentary, he's speaking about uh, tahara here. He says, in fact, this quality of tahara, which is purity of intent, is the criterion by which servants of Hashem themselves are measured. Not by what we did. Now, deeds are important. All those things are important. But in the intentions of the heart, 
and doing all everything that we do. He says it's, it's, uh, this is the criterion by which servants of Hashem themselves are measured and distinguished from one another in their respective levels of divine service. He says, for the one who is able to purify his heart more than another is the one who approaches closer to Hashem and is who, is who is more beloved by him. Blessed be he. He says, indeed, these, the ones most beloved by Hashem, are the early ones who are long entered the earth, who strengthened themselves and triumphed in this matter. He says, they are the patriarchs and the other shepherds of the Jewish people who purified their hearts before Hashem. He says, these exceptional people whose sole focus in life was to do Hashem's will became the role models of servants devoted to and beloved by him. So the scripture testifies to this. All the patriarchs, the prophets, all the shepherds of Israel, no matter their shortcomings, in which they had many, just as we all do, no matter their shortcomings, their sole desires were focused you know, on their heavenly father, doing the will of their heavenly father. We see that over and over in the Psalms. You know, David has a heart, you know, as the Lord has. He said, in Psalms 42, verse 2 through 5, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and appear before God? So their hearts, all the patriarchs, the shepherds, the prophets, all their hearts were where their father is. You know, it's like that old cliche, home is where the heart is. You know? Yeshua says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Likewise, concerning specifically Abraham, our father, in Yeshiyahu, Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah is speaking to those who seek Adonai. And he says, Listen to me, you who pursue justice. You who seek Adonai, he says, Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. He says, look to Avraham, your father, and Sarah, who bore you. Look to them as role models for your life. How did they live? How did they act? How did they walk? Likewise, the master in Yochanan, or John chapter 8, verse 39, Yeshua's in the temple, and he's talking to the people, and the Perishim, or the Pharisees, and the scholars come to him, and they say, well, we're Abraham's children. And Yeshua tells them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. So that leaves us with the question, right? What are the deeds of Abraham? I mean, we saw that Abraham was willing to leave everything that he ever knew. He was willing to leave his whole family, his homeland, right? He was even willing to sacrifice the son of the promise. But as we read in that quote above, you know, it wasn't as much the, the physical act and the actions that the patriarchs, the prophets, and the other shepherds of Israel did that made them role models for all those who have emunah and bitachon or faith and trust in Hashem. But it was the tahara or the purity of intent in their hearts and their service to God which gave them their stature of being fathers and shepherds of Israel. They had a love for God beyond what we consider, you know, this physical love and lust that we see in the world. And in this commentary on tahara, it continues speaking about love of God and it says, Now, this is certain. This love of Hashem must not be a love that depends on any external factor. That is, it should not be that a person loves the Creator, blessed be He, because He bestows goodness upon him and makes him wealthy and grants him success. 
He says, rather, love of Hashem must be just like love of a son to his father, which is a completely natural love to which his nature forces and compels him. As he gives us a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 6, is he not your father? So a son that loves his father, his intent is to cleave to his father, to mimic his father, and to do all those things which please his father. You know, it's a natural love. He completely compels him and, and forces him to cleave to his father. And in this, his intent is pure, considering that all he does is for the sole purpose of pleasing his father and growing to be more like him every day, growing to be a son in whom the father is proud of. So in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, uh, David is talking to Solomon. He's telling him, you know, you are going to be the one who's going to build the house for Adonai. And he's, he's kind of exhorting on this and explaining to him the importance of knowing God. And he says, shlomo vani. He says, and you, Shlomo, my son. He says, da et vecha. He says, know the God of your father. And when we say know God, this isn't like, well, yeah, Bob lives on the corner down the street. You know, he's, he's an acquaintance of mine. I wave at him when I drive by. You know, I know him. No, he's saying, know him intimately. Experience the God of your father. And he tells him also, he says, Vavdehu. He says, and serve him. And the root of Avdehu is Eved, which is a slave or a bondservant. And a, a slave has no other obligation except for to his master. So he tells him, know him intimately and experience him and serve him as a servant serves his master. And if that's not enough, he says, Belev Shalem, with a whole and complete heart. Nothing less than everything you got. And if that's not enough, he says, Uvnefesh Chafetzah, and having delight in your soul, being joyful in it. And he goes on to say, For Adonai searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. He sa and then he goes on to tell us how to, how to attain this. He says, If you seek him, he will be found by you. So this brought me to Proverbs chapter 2. And Solomon kind of exhorts us here, speaking in the Ruach. And he says, My son, if you accept my words and treasure my mitzvot within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to discernment. Yes, if you call out for insight, lifting up your voice for discernment, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will know the fear of Adonai and discover the knowledge of God. So it's something we got to search for continually, every day. I mean, if somebody told you, you know, if you go outside here, there's a million dollars buried in the dirt somewhere right out here in the yard. We would all go, yep, get the shovel, and we're going to go straight out here, and we're going to dig for it and find it until we know, you know, until we get it. Likewise, like David said, you know, know the God of your fathers, experience him. You've got to search for him as if it was hidden treasure. And so the intent of the heart, this tahara that we have spoken of, it's kind of the central most focus in our service of Hashem is the intentions. It is this attribute that set the patriarchs and the shepherds of Israel apart from the rest of the world. 
So we see that in the beginning of this week's Torah Parsha, you know, the central focus of obeying any of Hashem's commands must be done with taharar, purity of intent in the heart. As we read in Shemot, chapter 25, verse 2, it says, Take up an offering for me from anyone whose heart compels him. You are to take my offering. Likewise, our sages say in the Talmud and Tractate Sanhedrin, they say the merciful one wants the heart. Now, the sages didn't say this to relieve us of our physical obligations. I mean, obviously, if you've read any of the rabbinical work, they're not saying this because of that, but they're saying this to greatly increase all of our obligations. You know, without proper intent, you know, and impurity in this intent, then it really doesn't matter what we do. It needs to come directly out of our hearts. And so to build Hashem's Mishkan in this week's Torah portion, it has to be built with the purest intent, directly from the heart. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit out of this week's Torah portion to Shemot chapter 36, verse 5. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot about what happens in chapter 32, you know, with the Egel Zahav or the golden calf, you know, but it may have took this event to really drive them to uh, what's happening here in chapter 36, verse 5. The Ruach-filled craftsmen come to, to uh, Moshe and they say, the people are bringing much more than enough for the work of this construction that Adonai has commanded to be done. You know, and I don't know if it took the golden calf scenario to really drive their hearts and, and, and push them forward to ensure that they gave the, the proper trumati, my offering is what Hashem says. So I'm going to jump forward one more time. <laughs> and uh, once, they had, so that once they had gotten all the things together, they had given the truma, the Ruachfield craftsmen had, you know, fixed everything, got everything ready. In chapter 40 of Shemot, we read that they bring it all to Moshe. And I'm going to give you uh, my brief, uh, abbreviated version of chapter 40 of Shemot. And you'll, while I'm reading this, you'll probably all understand why I'm, why I'm reading it, hopefully. If you don't, I'll explain it. But in Shemot chapter 40, starting with verse 1, we read, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you will set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You are to put the ark of the testimony there. Skip to verse 10. You are to anoint the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and consecrate the altar. You are to anoint the basin along with its base and sanctify it. You are to anoint them, meaning Aaron's sons, as you did their father. Verse 17. Now it happened during the first month of the second year on the first day of the month, which was Nisan. The tabernacle was raised up. Moses raised the tabernacle and laid its bases, set up the framework of boards, put in the crossbars and set up its pillars. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle, and he put the covering of the tent on it, just as Adonai had commanded Moses. He placed the testimony into the ark. He brought the ark into the tabernacle. He set up the table inside the tent of meeting. He set a row of bread in order upon it before Adonai. He placed the menorah in the tent of meeting over against the table. He lit the lamps before Adonai. He placed the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the curtain. He burned sweet spices of incense there. He hung the curtain over the entrance of the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle. He set up the basin between the tent of meeting 
and the altar and put water in, the, in it for washing. He set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen at the gate of the courtyard. So Moses finished the work. Moses was a, fit, a busy man. He put it all together on his own, right? After B'nai Israel had brought the truma with a pure heart. You know, in the Ruach-filled craftsmen, they cut, molded, finished, sewed, and put everything together. They had to bring it all to motion. Only he was able to erect the tabernacle. Right? The Trumati Hashem's offering was brought with Tahara, with the purest intent of the heart. But only the shepherd of Israel was able to raise up the Mishkan. Likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter says that we are all living stones, being built into a spiritual house. Right? So B'nai Israel, they brought the truma, they brought the offering with tahara, with purity of intent in the heart, and the craftsmen who were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, they fashioned all of the pieces. But only Moshe, as we read in chapter 40, was able to erect Hashem's Mishkan and finish the process of building Hashem's house. Likewise, we as living stones offering ourselves with the utmost tahara and with the sacrifices and prayers offered by the Ruach HaKodesh are unable to build Hashem's house. Only Yeshua HaMashiach is able to erect the temple of God with all the pieces we bring to him. So I'm going to ask a question, and I know everybody's going to be like, duh. But uh, in the Olam Hazea, in this world, we don't have the Mishkan. We don't have the temple Right? We don't have a physical sanctuary. So, where is God's dwelling place? We all say, oh, yeah, duh, it's, you know. But anyway, so the reason why I focused on, you know, these three things, the tahara, the purity of intent, love for Hashem as a father, as a son loves his father, and the shepherd of Israel being the only person who can erect the Mishkan is because in this week's Parsha, we see a clue to the true Mishkan of Hashem here in the Olam Hazea in this world. So there was a uh, 15th and 16th century Italian rabbi named Rabbi Avadia Sefarno, and he would teach based upon Shemot chapter 20, verse 24, where it states, In every place where I cause my name to be mentioned, I will come to you. He would teach according to this verse that had Israel not sinned with the golden calf, they would not have had any need for a physical mishkan. I mean, like we read in Isaiah 66, 1. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where then is the house you would build for me? But I mentioned that in this week's Torah portion, we get the, you know, we get the clue as to where Hashem really wishes to dwell. So in Shemot 25, verse 8, we read, And in our English translations, they're all very similar. Have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. But our sages say that this does not necessarily speak of the Shekhinah dwelling within the Mishkan because it's plural and it would say, read Bitocho, meaning within it. But instead it reads Bitocham, which more literally means within them. So Hashem wishes for His Shekhinah, His divine presence, His Ruach HaKodesh, to dwell within each and every one of us. As Rav Shol says, our bodies are a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh. And this can only happen when we love Hashem as a son or a daughter loves their father. Serve Him with tahara, with purity in our intentions, and through our faith and trust in Mashiach, the shepherd of Israel. Because after all, our belief in the shepherd of Israel is indicative on the belief, our belief in Hashem. 
as we read in Parsha, uh, Parsha Beshalach in Shemot chapter 14, verse 31. It reads, Then the people feared Adonai, and they believed in Adonai and in his servant Moses. And the Torah tells us this for a very important reason. To truly have a munah and betachon, or faith and trust in Hashem, we must also have faith and trust in his shepherd. May Mashiach come soon in our days. Amen. Avinu Shabbat Father, we thank you. Father, we ask that you make the intentions of our heart, Father, pure, and that you lead us and guide us every single day, Father, and that we become more like you, Father, and that you just put us in the furnace and cleanse us, Father, so that we can be your children and you be our God. Amen.